1: Sports Talk Mississippi. Ah! On your radio
0: and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Ah! Off and running on an ugly Thursday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borke, Brian, hey dad, Brian Scott Rippey, the dream team with you for the rest of the week. We're going to have some fun. A lot of sports to get to on this Thursday afternoon, and it is always great to be with you. A few ways you can be a part of the show this afternoon. You can text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, or you can give us a call. Bear with me. I'm in the studio all alone today. So uh, um, if you're going to call, just hang on the line. I will get to you, I promise. 888 on the Farm Bureau phone line. Guys, um, uh, We'll talk Mississippi State today. Big win over Arkansas last night. I think if there was any doubt going into the game that the the turnaround was real, I think those doubts were silenced last night. Really good win for Mississippi State. No, by the way, Reggie Perry's really good. I don't know if that's breaking news to you or not, but uh, the guy can play basketball. We'll get to that. We'll get to Zion's debut last night, which was really boring until it wasn't there in the fourth quarter, if you could stay up late for that one. Some NFL quarterback stuff. Four veteran quarterbacks out there with Eli Manning's retirement. This old guard is shifting. Tom Brady's a free agent. Phillip Rivers is a free agent. Drew Brees is mulling his decision, although it sounds like he's coming back to New Orleans. What is the future for the old guard quarterbacks in the NFL? I've also got an extremely bizarre college football recruiting story for you all coming up this afternoon. What's up on a Thursday, guys?
0: Aware Richard was not going to be with us today. so You were not aware of a, that? That's a big, big plus. Did y'all talk about it yesterday or something? Oh, well, that's right. You had to go to the hump. Yeah, Richard closed yeah. the show with, uh,
1: it'll be, Borky and the Bryans for the rest of the week. And uh, I told him how excited I was that he was gone. Well, so
0: that is, that, That's like waking up on Christmas morning to an extra present there. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, Reggie Perry. He can play really a little good. bit, can't he? Really good. I mean, this guy right now he he's playing at a level that he could end up as the SEC Player of the Year. I mean, that's and you're not exaggerating. uh I'm not. I mean, he's 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 the first MSU player in 20 years to have three straight 2010 games. Um, I mean, he's putting up ridiculous numbers. He's averaging a double double. He seems to be getting his all around game keeps getting better. I mean, he's 14 to 15 at the line last night. If you're gonna put Reggie Perry on the line fifteen times and he hits 14 of them, you're going to lose that game in all likelihood. So really good game for him, but a good team game. You know, Nick Weatherspin played well. DJ Stewart gave him some big buckets. So have they turned it all the way around? I think I think this this is the final test for me this weekend, uh, in this game in Oklahoma.
1: Looking forward to that coming up this weekend. Uh more on Mississippi State here in a second. I've also got a poll question for you uh on Mississippi State basketball and what you expect from them. For the rest of the season, but uh, on that note, we'll bring in Brian Scott Rippy. Rippy, uh, I know you watched some Zion last night because you tweeted at me that he was a bust. So, uh, were you confirmed in that last night?
2: No, I wasn't. Uh, but no, it was great. I the my two roommates actually went to bed after about I guess at halftime, and I was going to anyway. But for whatever reason, I wasn't tired and I stayed up and then. Once he started on that 13-point streak, I started kind of yelling, and they ran out of the room. And so watch like the last, like, I guess, 90 seconds of him in the game.
1: And right as everything got good, uh, they sat him on the bench. Minutes restriction, we're planning on doing that going in. All of that coming up here in a second. But, guys, I have to tell you a story. I, they, I wanted to tell this yesterday. There just wasn't a window of opportunity to do it. Uh, something really weird happened to me yesterday. So, I don't look like it because my diet is crap, but uh, I exercise regularly. And most of the time, it's uh, going on long runs with my Britney Spaniel. I mean, he's full of energy. I don't hunt with him, so he needs to get it out somehow. We go on runs almost every day. And yesterday morning, we were in our usual neighborhood run. And I had headphones in, but... I was listening to a podcast, and the internet wasn't working, so it paused for a second. So I was just kind of running, being able to hear everything. And I heard a car behind me going really slow. And so I turn and look, and it's an older lady, and she's on her phone. So I just figured she was texting or whatever, didn't think anything about it. We get another probably third of a mile. And think about how long that is running with a car trailing you. And I look behind me again, and she's still following me. So I stop, and she starts to pass me slowly. She was recording me, and I i thought she was, yes, she was recording me. So I thought she was texting, but as she passes me, she's got one hand on the steering wheel, the other on her phone, and she's looking directly at the phone and angling it towards me as she passes me by. And so I, I I'd yell at her. I say, hey. And I see her turn the phone back forward, like, pause the video or stop taking the video, put the phone down, and speed off. <laughs> and I've seen her before. Like, I can find out where she lives, but why do you think this lady was recording me and my dog as we were running in the neighborhood yesterday? It was-
2: either a, got a stalker odd. or she, she thinks you run weird. Do you run weird? <laughs>
0: Probably, but I don't think so. Well, then that's probably. I mean, I mean, it could imagine. be the
2: former. I'd probably lock your doors.
1: Seriously, though, I I don't know what I should do. I thought about like driving around the neighborhood and, and tracking her down or taking a picture of the license plate because it was a good of, yeah. third of a mile, probably, which is
2: you know four minutes. Turn the tables you wearing- and started recording her.
0: Were you wearing short shorts? <laughs> no. Maybe she was just you know. I was dressed cold. A look. Okay.
1: And she drove by, I mean, recording me.
0: An older lady,
2: too. She needs help by getting her groceries in. I would politely decline. Yeah. Is that a euphemism for something? No, I'm just saying. (sighs) I don't
1: don't know what to do, though. Because that that creeps me out.
0: Yeah, it should. You're not alone. This is a very (laughs) creepy situation. That old woman is recording you run. That's like how horror movies start.
1: Uh, She's going to show up to the house like at 2 a.m. She's uh, probably an an avid listener. She's like,
0: he's talking about me.
1: David's asking if the dog was on the leash. Uh, Yes. Have I been picking up the dog's stuff? Uh, Yes, I have. And uh, Johnny's asking if it's the HOA president. We don't have an HOA as far as I know. Uh, I mean, maybe we do, but I haven't paid a due yet.
0: (laughs) She's just a crazy person. Let's, let's just put all the cards out there on the table. She, she's not right in the head.
1: Maybe she just thinks I'm cute. No, that
0: can't it, be it. That could no. be it, too. I've looked yeah, at myself in tell the mirror. I, yeah. <laughs> tell your wife, hey, you, know, you got some competition here. <laughs> uh, tell me to watch the movie Misery. Have you guys heard of that movie? I have, yeah. What is that about? Now. It's, good, uh, it's about a famous writer who gets in an accident in the Rockies. And the person who finds him and brings him back to life is his biggest fan. And she's also a complete psychopath. So she basically holds him hostage. Jason the book and, was better. Oh,
1: gosh. Jason and Tupelo says she's a Russian spy. Oh, don't worry. I've already used one of those face-recognizing apps. So uh, the Kremlin has all my
0: information already.
1: There you go. Unbeknownst to myself. Well, they,
0: they probably got it most of it from Rippy. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Uh, comrade rippy
1: uh text here from yeah. the 601 probably uh because i'm running in the street well there's no sidewalks in the where, neighborhood
0: where, though what you where, where else are you gonna run i walk in the street there's no sidewalks in my neighborhood is there sidewalks in your neighborhood we
1: there's like one little patch of sidewalk for probably 300 yards it doesn't make any sense. I know it sounds weird because it is weird.
0: Ooh, yeah, that-
1: from the six six two. This is tough. Your wife thinks you're cheating, and the old lady's a private investigator.
0: Now we're talking.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> some galaxy some brain stuff right there. If
0: that was true, we could have some fun with that. You know, <laughs> drive around town, take her on a wild goose chase.
1: And the last one before we get back onto subject into Mississippi State basketball six six two. The old lady wants your dog. I don't blame her. He's a handsome little fella.
0: But maybe, uh, maybe she works for We Rate Dogs.
1: Yeah. Uh, pray for me. Either way, I may have a stalker. I have no yeah. idea. But we will uh, stop burying the lead. Talk Mississippi State hoops. Big win last night over Arkansas. The final score. A uh, little house cleaning here, and then we'll hit a hard break and come back and get all the analysis from Hey Dad that you can handle. Plus our poll question. As well. Reggie Perry, the star of the show, 26 points, 6 of 13 from the field, 13 boards, and 14, not 4, 14 of 15 from the free throw line. You got 11 points and 6 assists from Weatherspoon. You got 14 and 4 rebounds from DJ Stewart. Only a couple players off the bench for Mississippi State, a seven man rotation. We'll get to that after the break as well. But productive from Molinar and Carter, 18 points combined from your bench players. In just 44 minutes combined, so a really productive night, really big win for Mississippi State, and Heydad will break it all down for you next It's Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Welcome back on a Thursday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borkey, Brian Heydad, Brian Scott Rippy, with you talking Mississippi State's win over Arkansas, 77 to 70. Heydad, overall thoughts last night
0: for the Bulldogs' win. Well, obviously, you know, to get back to 500 was huge for them. Um, and they're playing really, really well. They're playing a very unselfish brand of basketball, which you know, I know Ben Howland's got to be pleased with. You know, you look at Nick Weatherspoon. And obviously, you know, he had some rust on, on the car there. I mean, he, he took a, basically a calendar year off from playing due to his suspension. Uh, but these last couple of games now, he's been really good. He's in double figures last night. He had six assists uh, to no uh, turnovers. That's a six-to-zero uh, turnover to assist ratio. In case Richard is listening, um, Tyson <laughs> Carter, double figures. Got to do the quick math. I mean, you know, DJ Stewart was a guy I was really impressed with last night. You know, he, he had a couple opportunities in the uh, first half on fast breaks where he just blew a couple of bunnies at the limb at the at the rim. Uh, just couldn't couldn't get a couple of layups to fall. Uh, but he came back strong and finished with 14 points. Uh, had a big dunk. Had a big uh, three pointer. Iverson Molinar, you mentioned him uh, in the previous segment. Eight points in twelve minutes. I mean, if you're going to get that kind of production, that's going to be really good for him. The decision, I think, the decision we're going to look back on though in a few weeks is with Tyson Carter. The decision to to shift up the starting lineup and let Tyson come off the bench and be that sixth man, that instant offense guy, has really worked out for Mississippi State. They've played so much better since then, and so and Tyson Carter has played better than since then. It really does look like, and you know, we talked about this on the Thunder and Lightning podcast that as Tyson Carter sort of goes. The the team goes. I think your, state's capable of losing games where Reggie Perry plays well. He can have a double double and state can still lose. But if Tyson Carter is getting into double figures, that that usually means that the Bulldogs are going to get the win.
1: Got to talk about Reggie Perry. It's uh, you know just looking at the box score, you can see how dominant he was. My my question is, I mean, we knew going into the season, especially at the end of last year, that um, there is an NBA future for Reggie Perry. I don't know how impactful he's going to be, but there is an NBA future for him. Earlier this season, though, I think the word, whether it be you or Richard, I can't remember, described uh, his play as passive, settling for three-point shots, not commanding the basketball, early losses. I know is a good basketball team, and they played them close, so that's not the best example, but in those games, Louisiana Tech, New Mexico State, wasn't... Commanding the basketball and wasn't the focal point of the offense, so what has changed? Has it been him or uh, the offense has been different or just he's taken a little while to grow into the player that you and uh, you thought he was going to be
0: I think they've made it they made a little bit of change and I don't know if that's from coaching or if that's what you know Reggie just figured it out for himself, but these last couple of games they've done a better job of getting him the ball down low and allowing him to pass out of double teams, which have been coming. Um, and that's you know setting up some open looks for Carter, for Stewart, and for, and for Weatherspoon, and even for Woodard as well. You know Woodard got into foul trouble last night. He still had six points and seven rebounds. Um, that's how State needs to work. They need to work from the inside out. You know when Perry early in the season was taking a lot of perimeter shots and, and trying to show off some range, that's when State was having these problems. Now Perry has gotten a little bit more aggressive down low. That's leading to some easier buckets for him, and it's leading to some open looks for some of his teammates. Uh, when when he's taking those double teams, so they 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 figured out that yeah the, the offense it needs to run through Reggie Perry, but it needs to run through him near near the rim. And there was a, a good example last night. His first couple of uh, touches, he gets some some good looks down low, hits a couple of baby hook shots, and you know, gets four quick points. And then on the next possession, State gets a steal, they give it to Perry at the top of the key, and he immediately hacks up a three pointer. That's an air ball. What happened? Well, he came out of the game at that point. So, ooh, maybe uh, sit has, me
1: down three.
0: It was the heat check three, and then boy, the heat was not on. <laughs> the air conditioning was very much running at that point. And uh, but he he sat down and he came back and was very strong the rest of the game. So uh, I, you know whatever it is, they figured out that hey, this is this is a team. I think Howland said last night that Mississippi State has the third is the third tallest team in all of Division One. Oh I mean, wow! They, they have a lot of length. I mean, look at their guards. You know, even you know uh, Weatherspoon is six foot five. Um, so they've got they've got length. They've got athleticism. They need to be using that, and then the three-point shots will come when you when you when you work the ball inside out.
1: Abdul, do last night, twenty-three minutes, took just two shots, made one of them, five rebounds. Lisa and Clara, uh, once your thoughts on on his night last night and th- his usage overall?
0: I mean, he's he's doing what is asked of him. You know, he's getting rebounds. He, he is a great presence down low. He alters a lot of shots. He keeps people out of the paint. And then when he gets offensive rebounds, uh, he's able to take them up and, and get some points. So you're going to have some games where Adu gets 10, 12 points because he's able to get some putbacks. Uh, as far as like creating offense for himself, obviously that's a bit of a struggle for him, and it always has been. But I think he's he's fulfilling his role for Mississippi State right now. And you know, State has got enough scores with Perry – You know, with what you're going to get from Carter and Weatherspoon regularly, with what Woodard normally is going to give you, that you don't have to get, you know, 10, 12 points a game out of a do. If he can get you three or four buckets to go with six or seven rebounds, you're going to be just fine.
1: So I put a poll out there, and I'm going to delete it because I think I didn't space the wins out enough. Mississippi State has 12 SEC games left. I know we've got this game uh, in Norman coming up on Saturday. And we'll talk about that a lot tomorrow. But overall, with the way they've played lately, as you mentioned, I mean they they get back to 500 in conference play, but it feels a lot different than a 500 basketball team with what they've done the last three games. Uh, so I'm going to revise these a little bit. But 12 SEC games left for Mississippi State. How many do you suspect they'll win?
0: 12 SEC games. You know, of of the of the if you break it down into the quadrants. Yeah, let's do it that three way. S- they have three SEC quadrant one games remaining. All of them are on the road at Kentucky, at Florida, at Arkansas, uh, and they do have a quadrant one game also Saturday with Oklahoma. That, that being, since it, even though it is at a neutral site, it is being classified as a road game, and that that get that bumps it into quadrant one status. So if you take that, let's put that game in there because I think it's an important game. Uh, State needs to get one of those wins because you want to have at least one quadrant one win on the resume. They don't have any right now. Uh, of their Quadrant 2 games, I have to look, but the one that stands out to me is at Ole Miss. I don't think State cannot afford a loss to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a sub-100 net team right now, and I know that you know it's a rivalry game and, and it's unpredictable, but State needs to get both of those games. Uh, and they play what in Oxford, I think, uh, two weeks from now, and then it's the final game of the season. You know, we get the, the real egg bowl for basketball because it's the last game of the season. Egg skip ball. X Good Ball, very good. That's a name I floated um,
1: around years ago, and
0: it, um, it shockingly didn't stick, though. Wow. Um, they have in the they don't have any quadrant four games left. They have four quadrant three games left. Um, those are at Ole Miss at home, Vandy at home, uh, uh oh gosh, they have at Texas A and M and South Carolina. South Carolina at home. So three of their quadrant three games are at home they got to win all four of those, though. You can't, can't lose any of those games. So, so if they get 4-0 there, they can beat Ole Miss. Can they beat Tennessee at home? I think they can do that. Um, I mean, they, they can probably get – got three wins now. I think they can win seven more. I think they're going to be 10-8 and 8 in the conference when it's done. Uh,
1: we get a text here from the 662. Kind of predictable. Oh, Lord, Haydad is going to have them winning it all now. Of course. Of it was probably saying. sent before, but that did come after. You said they were going to win seven of twelve, which is, I think, extremely fair.
0: I mean, seven. They, they, if they go seven and five, I mean, they'll probably lose to Kentucky and Florida, at Arkansas. I mean, I know they just beat Arkansas, but it's a different animal playing up them up there in Fayetteville. It just is. For, it's like that for everybody. And then you know, they'll they'll, they'll drop another game here or there somewhere. But it's, it's it right now if they can win this game on Saturday and get this, this quadrant one win that they really need, it just becomes a matter of sort of taking care of your business. If you win the games you're, suppo- you're supposed to win, State will probably be in the NCAA tournament. I revised the
1: poll, so it's now, if you want to vote, follow us on Twitter. It is 9 plus 8, 7 or less fewer, I should say, fewer than 7. Okay. And you were at the the number 7, right? Uh, I'm at 7, yeah. And uh, if you don't have Twitter, you want to be a part of the conversation, you can do that on the text line, 601-879-4395. Let us know what you think. What is Mississippi State's uh, immediate future in basketball? Is this turnaround for real, uh, or is this just a flash in the pan? We'd love to hear from you this afternoon. Mississippi State right now uh, sitting 53 in the net. That is behind Alabama at 38, Florida at 36, Arkansas, who they just beat, Uh, at 35, Kentucky 25, LSU 23, and Auburn 19. So opportunities for Mississippi State on the schedule. Ahead of them, Tennessee sits at 58, Georgia 75, Missouri 81, South Carolina 101, and Ole Miss 125. And with the way Reggie Perry is playing right now and um, considering how Ole Miss is down low, you mentioned you can't lose those two games. Mm-hmm. If this keeps up, I don't suspect they'll have too much trouble doing so. I mean, Perry should no. just have a field day in those games.
0: Real quick, another key game is Alabama and in Starkville because Lenardi's last bracketology had Bama in the last four in and State in the, in the last four out. So they've already got one win over State. They need to, State needs to make that uh, series even. Mississippi State and
1: Oklahoma coming up on Saturday. Looking forward to previewing that game with you tomorrow. Keep the text coming in. We'd love to hear from you. We also get one about Zion, so we'll talk about that at some point uh, coming up after the break. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. Great to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borke. Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. and We'll turn the attention to the text line now. Got a few texts about Mississippi State. Then we'll take a look at sports' biggest event last night, even though most people probably slept through it. The end was exciting, but because of the late start, a lot of you didn't see it. We'll break all that down here in a second. We'll start uh, with uh, somebody from the area code 713. Mississippi State has no chance at making the tournament. Kentucky and Florida will be the only SEC teams to make it. Now, I do think this guy's trolling a little bit, but let's actually talk about this. And we'll start with you, Rippy, bring you into the conversation. How many bids does the SEC get, in your opinion, right now? I know it's hard to project, but is it a six-bid league? Five, four, seven? How many bids does this league get right now?
2: Make me do math. Let's see. Off the top of my head, I'd go at least five, potentially six. I think already
0: has five right now.
2: Okay. And those are Auburn, LSU,
1: Kentucky, Alabama, Florida?
0: I don't let me let me double check.
2: I think LSU's getting in, Kentucky's getting in, Florida's getting in, Auburn's getting in. That's four. And then the group of four between State, Arkansas, Alabama, and Tennessee will probably determine like kind of how it, the rest of the league flushes itself out. I guess absolute best-case scenario, you could see eight, but I'm going to guess six or seven for right now. Because like A&M, South Carolina, Georgia, Missouri, Ole Miss, Vandy, pretty much out of it at this point, I would think. But, I mean, Arkansas is right there, State's right there, Alabama's right there, and then the first five mentioned would probably be in if it ended today. Yeah, He's got Florida, uh,
0: Auburn, Kentucky, LSU, and Arkansas all in. He had Alabama in the last. I'm sorry, the first four out. I misspoke earlier. First four out, and then State was in the next four out.
2: I wouldn't rule out Tennessee either at this point. Yeah,
0: and this this was done before State had beaten Arkansas last night as well. That does change things. Some
1: he follows up with if Tennessee beats Kansas on Saturday. There's a possibility of three getting in the SEC is trash this year, and while it's down compared to last year, you'd. That implies the SEC is trash, but the rest of college basketball is good. You still have to get 68 teams in this tournament.
2: That and, also doesn't make any sense. They're literally five in right now.
0: Yeah, yeah that's right. Like I said, I, I texted the guy back. I'll take this, whatever stakes you want to put on the SEC <laughs> only getting two in. We can, We can bet. A million dollars, whatever your net worth is.
1: It's about to be Do tax it. season. You're going to calculate it. Whatever that is, I bet it's more than two.
0: Lucas and yeah, Union Sundays before April fifteenth, so I, I can get that in. Lucas and Union says is Reggie Perry
1: right now the front runner for SEC Player of the Year? Who would be I mean, his without, competition?
0: I'd have to. I'd have to think about that. Rippy, I mean, I do you
1: know? When you when I, someone says who's the best player in the SEC this year, what's your answer, or do you have one?
2: I mean, Javante Smart's really good. I mean, Kerry Blackshear was kind of thought of the lead candidate at the beginning of the year. Mm. One of the Kentucky kids, maybe Maxie or Hagens. I don't know. <sighs> yeah.
0: It's sort of it's sort of wide open, but Perry is definitely in that discussion for sure.
1: James in Hattiesburg, uh, this is a question for you, Rip. Uh, what happens to Kermit if Ole Miss does not win an SEC game? <laughs> And the answer is nothing, but going I mean going O18 would it's not going to happen, I don't suspect, but I mean, that would really halt all the positive momentum that they had, wouldn't it?
2: Sure, I don't think they end up going O18, but it is going to be a struggle this year, but I guess talk to me in March if they're Owen 17 heading to Starkville.
1: How, where does that first win come from? If you had to guess, looking at the schedule right now, what is the best chance?
2: Let me pull it up first. Shouldn't you well, know all
1: 18 games off the top of your head with start times? With
0: SEC and, being what it is, nobody is unbeatable. I mean, they did have LSU
1: beat in the second half and blew it. They had Arkansas really beat in the second half and blew it. Had no business losing to AM. Of course, shoulda, coulda, woulda. They lost all of those games, but it's not like they've just been smoked by everybody.
2: No, I mean, in theory, they could win Saturday at Georgia. Georgia's not very good. You're not beating Auburn or LSU. You don't really know what South Carolina is. I mean, you have a road game at Missouri. You get a home game against Vanderbilt. Like, I don't know. I'll go February 18th at Missouri. How about that?
1: All right. John and Hurley's asking if uh, you've heard uh, of any issues in the locker room. Uh, Is there a team chemistry problem? Do you? have you heard or do you know of?
2: I mean, they're definitely not gelling on the court. As far as off the court, I nothing I could speak on.
1: And do you think maybe that's just a product of new, a bunch of new faces and a young team?
2: I think it's a product of losing. I think when you're losing and you're on a losing streak, that kind of stuff just probably pops up naturally, at least questions about it. All right.
1: Uh, thanks for your text. Uh, the results right now for our first poll of the day, uh, most people think it'll be eight or seven. So hey dad, um, in line with most of our listeners as well. Uh, you can text the show six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five, and uh, all guests and calls appear on the Farm Bureau phone line. Let's look at Zion now because that was the story of sports last night. It was all over ESPN and Sporting News and Bleacher Report, everybody was covering the debut of Zion Williamson. And because the Raptors and uh, 76ers game before them uh, took a little too long, they delayed tip-off by about 15 minutes. And so as you can imagine, especially on the East Coast, a 9.45 start time is not conducive to big-time viewership numbers, actually didn't reflect that. It was the second highest rated NBA game so far this year behind Lakers-Mavs a few months ago. Um, time slot, not helpful in that. But the people, most of the people didn't get to see the show that was put on. And, and we'll start right here. I, I imagine, at least in part, both of you watched it, and the first three quarters were a complete dud. All the hype, all the conversation, Zion's debut, and the team says, hey, he's starting tonight. They said, or at least the, the reporting locally was, They don't have a minutes restriction plan. It turned out that was absolutely not the case. They decided to play him for the first three minutes of the first three quarters. You barely got to see the guy, and I can tell you sitting on my couch, I was getting kind of frustrated. I mean, you you build up all this hype. They did special T-shirts and everything. It's Zion's debut, and you don't play the kid.
2: To be completely fair, they did say beforehand they would play him in short bursts those bursts
1: should have been more than just three minutes or I was surprised at how that was handled that does I mean of course they've got training staff and all that but starting a guy and playing him for three minutes and then having to get into your rotation before your opponent does and having having him sit on the bench cold for the rest of the quarter bringing him in for the next one for just three minutes and taking him out again I I was surprised that it was handled like that I've never seen anything like that before there's minutes restrictions. And then there was was that.
0: Well, I mean, all right, Look at it like this: I mean, you're in the middle of the regular season. You're you're in the playoff hunt, but I mean, there's a long way to go. Is it worth taking any kind of risk like that? I mean, this is first game back. Well, you let him let him let him put his toe in the pool and, and get used to it before you do anything else. I, I I can't I can't argue with it too much. Oh, and man, I didn't ex- go ahead.
2: I was going to say, I didn't expect him to play 35 minutes. I was surprised that like he comes out at the 3-4 minute, not 3-4 minute mark, 3-4 minutes into each quarter. I was surprised he didn't go back in in one of the two quarters like to finish it out or another, I guess, quote-unquote short minute spurt. But also at the same time for three and a half quarters, he was completely non factor offensively. Like he was like even just watching it within the confines of the office, he was just kind of standing there. I found that to be more bizarre than anything else. He wasn't doing anything. He yeah. Wasn't screening anyone, wasn't moving, like literally wasn't doing anything.
1: In the postgame they talked about how he was just he was timid. I mean, that was his first real basketball since October and only had practiced a couple of times and it took somebody, whether it be an assistant coach or Alvin Gentry himself, to say, Hey, go go be you. Just go play. And that's Part of the reason why you saw the spurt in the fourth. I mean, it probably took him a little bit of time to get comfortable. That's his first game back since tearing his meniscus and going through all the rehab that he was, and it's also his first NBA game. And it took him a little while, and you know that there were sports people across the country that were ready and already planning there. He's a bust takes, and then he rattles off 17 in a row in the fourth quarter, including four consecutive threes, which was cool to see. He's never doing that again. Uh that's that's not his game at all, but it was still awesome to begin with. 22 points. I got a
0: uh, good. I got a kick out of uh the people on Twitter saying, "Well, he's already passed Ben Simmons for career three-pointers made."
1: He doubled it. <laughs> yeah. He doubled Ben Simmons in threes in 18 minutes. Of game action last night. 22 points, 8 of 11 shooting that 4 of 4 from 3. Had 7 boards, 3 assists. Would have been a lot more if his teammates can make shots, but had 5 turnovers in the game. Had to get acclimated, but put some fireworks up late in that 4th quarter. And then they pulled him in a 1-score game with 4 minutes left. Frustrating a lot of people, but I guess you got to give credit to the team for having a plan and sticking to it no matter what. Uh, Alvin Gentry was frustrated, so was Zion after the game, but we'll continue on this next Cody, we'll get to your text, Greg yours as well, as we continue on this Thursday afternoon at Sports Talk We're going to look at veteran NFL quarterbacks now that Eli Manning has retired and what he leaves behind in the future of the four vets in the league a couple of them are free agents one of them, well Three of them are free agents, technically, if you want to throw Drew Brees in there. Although, if he comes back, it will be in New Orleans. But look at their future, where they should go, where we think they're going to go. All that coming up to start the 4 o'clock hour. Got some really good college football stuff coming for you. The offseason, the coaching carousel is probably over. We will grade the important hires anyway. We're not going to tell you what Old Dominion did, but we'll look at Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Arkansas and Missouri and grade those hires and I've got the most bizarre recruiting story you've heard, at least in this cycle, all coming up for you. But I want to put a bow on this conversation here. It was the story in sports last night, Zion's debut. And we get a couple of texts here, and this is one of the main takeaways today. Cody and Tupelo says he looks really heavy. MP in Oxford said he wishes him the best, but he would be less injury-prone as an NFL defensive end. Being a pogo stick at 285 will murder his ankles in and his knees. And yeah, that was a... Mark Jackson was kind of caught some heat for that in particular last night. That's not why I didn't like him. I think they could actually focus on the game in front of them instead of uh, talking about their uh, retirement um, AARP cards coming in the mail. But either way, that is a storyline with him. I mean, he did tear his meniscus. They had to teach him how to jump and to land better to take some load off of his knees, but uh, I don't think there's any doubt that as special as he was last night. And that was a lot of fun. I think it was validation that what he does can work in the NBA. And uh, that jump shot, again, he's not going four for four from three. I doubt he takes four threes very often in games. He's not going to be a three-point shooter. But you saw that the knee was healthy. Had a couple of really explosive rebounds. Had a alley-oop, a put-back. The knee's healthy. He's still explosive. But I, I think you guys are both right. And they plan on doing it. The problem is they're having a hard time. It's just his body is so unique that he's he, he can't just lose 30 pounds. But he absolutely needs to get in better shape for the rigors of an 82-game season. When they played last night, now they play tomorrow. And then they have Saturday off and they go and play Sunday too. And tomorrow, it's Denver who's long and physical. And then Sunday, it's Boston. So, he needs to get in better shape. That is absolutely true. But I do think last night was validation that, one, the knee's healthy, that his game can work, and that it only took him 18 minutes to get comfortable and play within himself in the NBA. It was a really cool night last night, but it is not without its flaws, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a rookie. It's gonna be, he's going to be good. He's too physically talented not to be. It's going to take some time. He's got to get healthy. He's got to get you know, back in the rotation. Sort of like we were just talking about with Nick Weatherspoon a few minutes ago. You know, you you take this much time off, it takes a couple. You know, and yeah, he had a, he had that great moment. And so that's a the, the 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 reason for that is he is so talented. So you know, just give him his time, and uh, he he's going to be just fine. And you uh, know, he's going to you know the the Pelicans will be an interesting franchise with him as the as their face.
1: Rip, you got any final thoughts on that last night before we uh, move on to some football?
2: The best player for the uh, the Nuggets has kind of the same issue. Nikola Jokic kind of re- – I don't know if he refuses to get in shape in the offseason, but this is like the second year in a row now where he's had to play his way into shape and it's taken him two months. Not saying that'll be the issue with Zion, but uh, it's not a unique case in the NBA.
1: Isn't he the guy that drinks like two two-liters a day? I,
2: I don't know about Nikola Jokic's diet or eating habits. I just know he is probably the most uh, – not puzzling, but like an unexpected, I guess, NBA superstar just from his body frame and the way he plays. But he's a, he's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. But he's had to play his way into shape back-to-back seasons, and it's probably taken him two months yeah. to do so.
1: And with the way Zion plays, he can ill afford to do that. I mean, it, you got to protect those knees. He's so explosive and so athletic. But at 285, as uh, MP and Cody mentioned, I mean, it's something's got to give, and hopefully for his sake, uh, it is not uh, his knees. We get a text here from the 615. Come on, guys. I stopped listening to 56 in Memphis because they went 90% NBA. When the Grizzlies moved in, please don't ruin this show with the same. Okay.
0: Yeah, Borky. Uh,
1: here's here's my reply to that. We will dip our toes in it occasionally when the story calls for it. We are not going 90% NBA. We spent, oh, 14 minutes on it today.
0: We're doing 90% pro bowling.
2: <laughs> the talk about what I want to talk about and nothing else is such a wild stance to me.
0: It was, it
1: was I mean it was the story of sports last night. It was the nationally trending topic. The team is just down the road from where a lot of our listeners sit. Hell, most of the people on the coast are I mean they could throw a rock to the arena. It is it's a story and we dipped our toes in it and that's all Winning we're going Jazz to
2: went do. The what 18 or 20 now, Rippy? What is it now? And it was awesome. Uh did they win last night? Yes, they won in go yeah, state. It's 18, 18 to 20. Too. We'll spend the next hour on that.
1: (laughs) But we are going to dip our toes into it sometimes when when the story calls for it, and today it called for it. It was an electric night, it was the story of sports, and so we covered it some. We're going to look at NFL quarterbacks next, though. This is a conversation I'm really interested in. What is the future of Tom Brady, of Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees? Not a whole lot of veteran quarterbacks left in the NFL. Where are they going? We'll talk about that next at Sports Talk, Mississippi. Number two on this Thursday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Gorky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. You want to be a part of the show? A couple ways you can do that. On the phone, 888 That's the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com. Or you can text us, 601-879-4395 on the C Spire text line. Would love to hear from you this afternoon. We'll put the basketball on hold for now. Maybe circle back later in the show to... Uh, Mississippi State's win over Arkansas. Pretty big win last night, getting them back to 500 in SEC play, and they continue this trend. Three games now of really, really good basketball, but right now I want to bring up NFL quarterbacks. I was thinking about this yesterday with the retirement of Eli Manning, and most of the conversation today is about whether or not he's a Hall of Famer and Uh, As a friend told me earlier, I wish that conversation would stop until it's time to actually vote for him, you know, years from now. Uh, But either way, Eli Manning is now the next old guard quarterback to retire. And I think the only other real impactful one recently was his brother. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I think there are four, we can call them super veterans. Rodgers has been in the league forever, but I don't think he qualifies yet. Got a lot of years left. Matt Ryan doesn't qualify yet got a lot of years left i mean wilson those guys that group still not closing in on retirement but these four
0: i'm I'm confused you said we're talking about good quarterbacks but then you mentioned matt ryan
1: (laughs) well his numbers are good he just doesn't win anything rogers is
2: 36 though yeah
1: god he is 36 I, i guess it doesn't feel like he's that old because he didn't start right away
2: I would I put would him in the old one, but not Matt Ryan. Because you're talking about all the guys that came out in 03 and he was yeah. 05. So well, that's 04 draft versus 05 draft. So he's only a year behind Rivers. And-
1: Let's throw him in there then. We'll do that. Uh, so those five, you've got Brady, Breeze, Rivers, Roethlisberger, Rogers, are the old guard, the super veterans in the NFL right now. Of those five, here's the poll question. Just put it out there. I only put four in here. Didn't include Rodgers because I think that he's an obvious no shot. Which NFL quarterback retires last? Brady, Breeze, Rivers, or Roethlisberger? Real quick before we get into the deeper conversation, what do you guys think? I in this. Who retires right.
0: last? I wouldn't be Rodgers. No, no. Right, Rodgers is in, okay, in the poll. Okay, okay, okay. I voted for Breeze. You think he's around I just for a feel, while? I, I, just, I mean, I feel like you know he's still playing well. He's got a great team around him. There doesn't the only the only question with me with Breeze is the the franchise like do they want to just go ahead and, and make the move to Teddy? I don't think that they do. I think they'll definitely give him another year. I think Brady's got at least another year, and then you know Rivers. It looks like Rivers is in some flux right now, although he may end up in Tampa Bay. And then Roethlisberger, I don't know. I mean, the Steelers will have to see what they do in the draft in terms of trying to get a replacement for him. But I just feel like Breeze is just still playing really, really well, and his team is playing well around him. I think the window is still open for the Saints. It's getting it, got, it closed a good bit this year. This was a, losing that game to Minnesota was a big miss, but there is still that window for them to win a championship. I think Breeze will hold out as long as he can.
2: I am going to go Ben because he has a half decade on Breeze and Brady. He just
0: looks terrible.
1: Did you see the video of him uh, uh, running laps around the field before? Was it their second to last game this year? I mean, he looked like an old man.
2: I would argue, though, he's looked that way since he was twenty nine. Yeah, good point. (laughs) And he's coming off an injury. He was playing pretty. He was playing pretty good last year. And you remember with all the turmoil of that team two years ago, they still almost made the playoffs, and it was largely because of him. No, Le'Veon Bell. He's been pretty awesome. I'll be interested to see what he. Uh, what he does next year, kind of with a younger and more, I guess, drama, more drama free team, less drama, however you want to put it, when he comes back. Because the AFC would have been, I think, a lot different if he were able to be healthy for most of the year.
1: For what it's worth, uh, Drew Brees and-, and Mickey Loomis, I think Loomis is at the Senior Bowl and Brees is at the Pro Bowl. They were both asked about it. Loomis basically said if Brees wants to come back, he's got a spot. Um, that could just be lip service because I feel like the Colts kind of were saying the same things and then made the switch to Andrew Luck. However, uh, that was at the Senior Bowl and Breeze was quoted, uh, at the Pro Bowl saying, I wanted to give it at least a few weeks or months in the postseason just to take a deep breath, decompress a little, get some time with the family and then reassess. Um, he said his kids want him to play forever. That's unlikely, but, um it certainly sounds like he is mentally preparing himself to come back in 2020. Although, I mean, they're going to have to renegotiate a contract. I don't know if you're the saints, what you do. I mean, if, if he's asking for 35, do you give him 35? I just, that's going to be an interesting layer depending it on might, what he asks for.
0: Yeah. It, it's definitely time for, you know, we've talked about the hometown discount before and things like that. And especially when we were talking about Dak and what's going to happen there, uh, for me, with Breeze, it, it's got. This is definitely a deal that has to make sense for the team. When you look at what they've got to do coming up with Kamara and Ramchick and Lattimore, you're gonna. Have, you you can't put a ton of money on Breeze this late in his career. I don't think. And
2: I mean, towards the end of the year, he wasn't exactly great, right?
1: Well, that those no, I mean, seven he weeks fine. off or so, may he looked healthier than at the end of. 2018,
0: two years ago. Yeah, he was fine. I, I think a lot of the uh, – hate's not the right word, but people are, are down on Breeze from time to time. I mean, he, he he's he's still out there completing passes, hitting receivers. The offense was moving. I didn't have any problems with the way
2: Breeze played towards the end of the season.
0: What they need is a secondary That playoff receiver. game,
2: though, he was undisputably bad.
0: That's he true. did not play well in that game. I mean, yeah, he threw his one interception he threw in that game was terrible. The fumble was completely uncalled for. But even with all that, they had a chance to win. So, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not down on Breeze by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't feel like that's just me being, you know, hey, that's Drew Brees, who's the greatest quarterback of my favorite team in my lifetime. Uh, I, I, I honestly do think he can still be a a, a top-tier quarterback in the league. They need –
1: Receiver help. I mean, that's priority one in the what, first round of the draft. You and the, the draft this
0: year is deep for receivers, you know? You, you can get somebody, even where they're picking, that's going to be a a, a a quality receiver.
1: Yeah, Ted Ginn's just aging and not reliable, and Traquan Smith got injured. He's been okay, and you've got a good tight end and a good pass catcher out of the backfield, but Michael you know, Thomas the, can't the do it all Mike himself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Jerry Judy, come on down. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. If he... And he very well could be available at what is it? Twenty yeah, seven. Which is crazy
0: to me. Crazy to me. Twenty
2: four. And that would flank pick. Yeah,
1: that'd be great.
2: Yeah. What about a veteran guy?
0: Well, I mean, who's out there? Who's going to be? Who's If gonna be only
1: AJ guy? Green was. Uh, you could get the yeah. right price for him. That would just be awesome.
0: That would be. That would be. That would be uh, optimal to uh, reverse what our friend Rippy likes to say.
2: I'm trying to think who else is out there.
0: Not many I don't believe
1: and Laquan they, they
0: well no wait.
1: they don't have uh the draft capital to to really give up a ton of picks to get one yeah. I don't think and as Haydad mentioned they've got some guys coming off rookie deals that they have got to pay and they have to do it soon
0: yeah I mean all three of those guys are crucial I think if you had to rank them for me is probably last which after his rookie season I never would have guessed that but Kamara is is the key. He's the top guy. And then Ramchick is as good as any right tackle in the league right now. you got to keep those two guys going. And then Lattimore, you'd hope to be able to keep him.
2: They've, there's some dudes out there. A.J. Green, free agent. Emmanuel Sanders, free agent. Devin Funches, free agent. Amari Cooper, free agent. And is he really? Oh, they're going to yeah.
0: re-up in Dallas, though, aren't they?
2: Randall Cobb. Probably. I'm just saying.
0: If they don't, you, that's definitely somebody you're reaching out to. If
1: Jerry Jones lets Amari Cooper go... Um, he should be forced to sell his team.
0: Well, I mean, if he lets Amari Cooper go, he's letting Dak Prescott go at that point because Dak's not going to stick around, I would think.
1: On that note, so Tom Brady's also currently a free agent. Drew Brees is a free agent, technically. All three quarterbacks on the Saints roster are free agents in one way or another. Taysom Hill is restricted. The other two are not. So they have to do a lot of quarterback dealing uh, to keep the roster currently in place. Tom Brady's a free agent. And there's been a lot of talk about uh, potentially him moving on. And a lot of people don't see Tom Brady leaving New England. Uh, There was a report about how he moved. They bought a house in Connecticut and moved further away, and that's a sign that he wants out. All that stuff is really stupid. However, the Patriots' roster, current roster makeup is not winning him a Super Bowl next year. So we got to sit on this. We're up against a hard break. And if you're out there listening you want to be a part of this, I would love to hear from you. 601-879-4395. Text us. What about Brady to the Tennessee Titans? Would that make sense? He may not do it. He's probably going to end up Ripley's back in New England. I can hear Rippy's heart beating.
0: I can hear his heart beating faster. Calm but, down, Rippy.
1: But Tom Brady to the Tennessee Titans. Because that's a roster you can win a Super Bowl with. Where should he go? We'll debate that next Look at the other two quarterbacks, as well as one on the college level potentially coming to Mississippi State. It would be a big deal if they pull that off. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. A couple of your text cheers. we continue on in the 4 o'clock hour at Sports Talk Mississippi, talking veteran quarterbacks in the NFL. What should they do? Three free agents. From the 615, I thought Eli, got a jokester here, thought Eli was going to San Diego so he could retire a charger. Guess I was wrong.
0: That would have been funny, though.
1: Another one here from the 662. Trade Breeze and Lattimore to Cincinnati for the number one pick. Get Joe Burrow. No. (laughs) Well, they can't. I know you're just kidding. They cannot trade Breeze, though. He is a a free agent.
0: You could re-sign him and then trade him. But still, that's, that's too much to give up for Burrow. I mean, it just is. And CJ in the Delta said, Oh, my God, are you going to talk about
1: NFL football the rest of the show? Winky face. Oh, thanks, CJ. Glad uh, glad you are listening. But let's, let's talk about that now. Tom Brady's a free agent. We just saw a great run in Tennessee. They are a suitor for a quarterback. There's not many of them, but there are some. Uh, Chicago looking for a quarterback, obviously potentially in Indianapolis Tennessee for the right quarterback San Diego slash LA moving into their new stadium the Raiders are probably looking but maybe not buying Derek Carr was pretty good this past year not what is he going to do but what do you think he should do talking about Tom Brady and his free agency
0: I mean, I think he should be able to sit down with Bill Belichick and say, what are we going to do to get this team back into contention? And if he doesn't like that answer, he might very well move on. It seems like I think Brady is going to stick around in New England, but if he doesn't like the answers that are coming out of the front office as far as what they're going to do to get better, then he could very well make a a decision to go. If you were him, what would you do? I'd probably stay in New England. They'll they'll make it right, I think.
2: Rippy? He's just leveraging. He's going to stay.
0: What do you
1: think the Titans should do to try to get him? Or do you think they should? Are you satisfied with Tannehill? Or, I mean, that's been floated out there. And, of course, that's what sports media does. It's what we do. We, you know, float ideas out, talk about them. The idea is out there that the Titans will make a run at Tom Brady what should that run look like?
2: I mean, as far as the dollar figure, I don't really know. Do you Somewhere think that's in... what he's
1: chasing, though?
2: Uh, yes, I do think there's a respect element in terms of he's tired of kind of taking a home-down discount. So as far as a dollar number, I really don't know. But I don't know, some short-term two-year deal, something like that.
1: Does this Titans roster? And what do they have, 29 free agents? Now, the vast majority of them are going to re-sign with the team, but that's a big number. Uh, a lot of money Tennessee is going to have to uh to dole out here this offseason but can you win a super bowl if you are Tom Brady and you're looking at potential suitors because that's what he wants as as Rippy mentioned there's a respect factor but he is only coming back because he wants to win another super bowl he's ha- I mean, he's fueled by a chip on his shoulder that even with six rings he still thinks that he's disrespected that i mean that's the kind of mindset that i in a way wish i had um but that's what he's after he's not going to go to cincinnati for example just that would be a non-starter but can tom brady win a super bowl with this titans roster as it's currently built
2: yeah sure i mean think the defense is good enough he's got an okay offensive line though they're kind of bad pass blocking wise and yeah, I mean, certainly they're talented enough. I mean, they went away from the Super Bowl this year, so insert him, and I think the answer would be clearly be yes.
1: I think that would be awesome if you went anywhere else. I don't know why either because we far too few now, and the NFL is a little bit different, but we see a lot of moving parts, especially with basketball, but you're getting it in baseball to some degree. Guys are hitting free agency and moving around. NFL quarterbacks don't really do that all that often, which makes this kind of situation for these veterans pretty unique. I think that would be awesome if we got to see Tom Brady try to do it somewhere else. And, I mean, either put to bed or confirm the fact that he's a system quarterback, air quotes. If he goes and wins somewhere else, that is gone forever.
0: It's 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 such a complicated question with these guys and and their legacies and and, and everything. For you know, for Breeze it's a little different because is, you know Saints are his second team, but Brady has always been a Patriot. So does this you know how different does his career look? Do you really want? And I talked about this uh, yesterday with Eli Manning. Do we really want to look back in a couple of years and have a couple of years where Tom Brady was in a Titans uniform and they weren't? You know, I think the Titans are good, and if he went there, it would be probably be a very successful partnership. But if it didn't work out, I mean, how it just doesn't look right. You know, Tom Tom Brady is a New England Patriot. I I, I just really don't have I don't can't see a scenario where the Patriots aren't going to put together. You know, they, they've got the capital to do it. They're going to make some moves and get some better players in there, and they should be right back in the mix next year from
1: the 662 Brady stays put. The Patriots are always contenders. They never have many superstars, but they have a process. If you count them out, you haven't been paying attention for the last 2 decades. I, I've usually been on board with you, but I this season was different. This season was really different. And Tom Brady now is not good enough to elevate an offense that's lacking stars the way he used to be. He's he's aging. He's not as good as he used to be. So you can't build a roster around him the same way you could when he was 30. And He's 43 now. The arm's not as good. He's, not, he's never been mobile, but he's not even as mobile in the pocket, creating space and giving himself throwing lanes. That offense was bad this past year. Bad. And... I just don't know if the Patriots, the way they're built, can win at a high level with Brady anymore. I mean, you think that they were always contenders. They were not contenders in this playoffs at all. They weren't. Even if they find a way to beat Tennessee, they get smoked by Baltimore the next week. The the teams in the AFC, the top four teams in the AFC, were demonstratively better than the Patriots this year. They were not contenders this year. And they don't have anything that's going to change the talent pool on the offense in one offseason. That's not going to happen. I don't want to be the dynasty is over guy, but as we talked about when the Titans beat them, this year felt different because their quarterback cannot elevate the lack of stars on offense. And oh, by the way, Rob Gronkowski, has there ever been a tight end built the way he has? I mean, he didn't have Gronk anymore. He didn't have Wes Welker and those guys anymore. They were not lacking in stars in New England or quality offensive players. I think that's kind of a false narrative.
2: Oh, I think the weapons were horrible.
1: This I don't think year, there was
2: yes. a quarterback back in the league that could do it. So if they get him some weapons, and they'll probably be good again next year and win the division, in my opinion.
0: They'll find a way to get A.J. Green.
2: someone it to be something like that. Well, uh... I mean that's why he was so against giving up on the Antonio Brown idea because Brady knew he knew if they didn't have him they didn't have a chance because they didn't have any weapons. So you get him two three more options to throw to, they'll be all right again. I mean they had a hell of a defense.
1: Well then then why was Sanu so bad?
2: Just a whiff. I mean Belichick's whiffed on receivers in the past. Was, he's actually one, so one good of his in Atlanta, weaknesses. Though. Bad at draft. Like he's be- Belichick is bad at drafting receivers. I guess that was kind of a whiff in terms of fit and everything. But like. Yeah, if they had two receivers this offseason and a tight end, I wouldn't count them out next year.
0: And Steve- the last time they had these offensive issues, they went out and got Randy Moss. So just don't put yeah. anything past them. They'll find a way.
1: Stevo says Brady will go to where he can chase records. CJ in the Delta, why hasn't Belichick made better drafts to keep the Patriots slash Brady loaded with weapons? I think we uh, just touched on that. John and Madison, he would not do that to his fans. Josh says Brady with anyone but the Patriots is like Montana with the Chiefs or Jordan with the Wizards. Just doesn't yeah. feel right.
0: Right. I agree with that. I agree 100%.
1: From the 662, they were in the playoffs, so yeah, contenders.
0: Um Well, I mean, the Eagles were in the playoffs. The
1: Eagles were in the playoffs. The Vikings were not contenders this year. They even won a playoff game and they weren't contending for anything significant
0: right. just we making the playoffs, playoffs doesn't mean i think mean we all thought anything. that the most of us thought you know Rippy's uh optimism aside that the, the patriots were probably going to beat the titans but we did not think they were going to be able to beat the chiefs or the ravens no so i mean you know you, there's there's getting into the playoffs and there's being a contender
1: from the 662 aj brown wanted to go to new england so bad just think if they would have taken him over Harry. apparently i didn't know this aj brown's a, a big Patriots fan yeah that was a big draft miss
0: yeah they could have had Metcalf too I mean one of the two
1: yeah Hollywood Brown worked out okay who went ahead of them but Harry was a massive miss for New England sometimes it's not that difficult but uh, Tony Columbia mentions far with the Vikings yeah also the Jets as well yeah Ben in Tylertown says doesn't matter who's on the team Belichick will coach them to the playoffs, and from the six six two, Giselle will not move to Nashville. Buddy, Nashville is an infinitely better city than Boston. Just one man's opinion, probably ah
0: around here probably popular. She loves riding those bikes where you drink. She, Giselle's a big <laughs> fan of that. We'll be right back at Sports Talk Mississippi. Rainbow.
1: Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borkey. got Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey with you, the Dream Team, on this Thursday afternoon. It's great to be with you. A few of your texts on this uh, NFL quarterback thing, and then we will flip over to the college level where Mississippi State, hosting a potential big-time transfer this weekend, uh, could expedite the Mike Leach's offensive implementation in Starkville. That was a mouthful uh, if they can sign this transfer. So, Get to these, and we'll turn the page to that. From the 662, Borky, that was a bad take. I've lived in both and never want to move back to Nashville. Loved my two years in Boston. Man, I've now that I've lived in the South, well, I've lived in the South my entire life. Although I was born in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I spent six months there, and then it's been the South ever since. So I could never live up North. It's the weather. More than anything else, I can't do the weather. Yesterday was miserably cold. I had to do some stuff outside of the house yesterday for 20 20 minutes, and I wanted to die. I could not handle six months of that and worse. There's no way I could do it. So, like, even D.C. is probably too north for me. I'm good down here. I like that we have super hot summers and maybe a snow every two years, and it dips into the 30s for a month, and that's it. I can't do Boston weather. I can't do New York. I've been to New York once in May and it snowed, never going back. It's just not my thing. I can't do the weather up there more so than anything else. Just not fun. It's fair. Another text here from uh, somebody else in 662. Hey guys, do you think it could be possible that Belichick understaffed the Patriots this year on purpose to ensure Tom Brady not want to come back next year? This is Bob Imponitok. He says... Uh, to set the Patriots up for the future by sinking them this year. Thanks, guys. Great show. The problem is they didn't tank enough to get a high draft pick to reset. They still went to the playoffs and won enough games. I think part of it is just they didn't replace what they had well enough. And Gronkowski retiring unexpectedly is a huge loss for them. I mean, that team, joking aside, when they had him and Hernandez on the same offense – they were, gosh, I almost said a word. I almost said deadly. Um, uh, oh God! Yeah, that would have been awful, <laughs> and I did it anyway. So but I mean, they were they were exceptional, and missing that elite tight end, I think, hurt them more than anything else. People underestimate how great Gronkowski was because he's goofy and he makes you know. 69 jokes and and he's dating a supermodel and he's goofy and drinks beer and he's loud and goes to parties. But as a football player, you don't just replace that guy and they learned the hard way this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to replace superstars with superstars. it's It's difficult to replace superstars with average players or, or anything like that. I always think about Moneyball where they they talk about. There's that scene where he says like we're going to recreate him in the aggregate. I mean, I guess, but it's just better if you can just have one guy who's doing all that for you.
1: Another text from somebody in the six six two. They should try to draft Moss's son at tight end. Great discussion. Enjoy your show, and uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that would certainly help. Uh, Thaddeus Moss can just flat out play. Um, kind of helps when you have the bloodlines that he does. Jeff and Carrollton's asking, what quarterbacks in the last few years of their career switched teams and was successful? Is Peyton Manning the only example?
0: Uh, I mean, in their later years of their career. Yeah, switching teams Um, at
1: the end of their career and it working out.
0: Brett Favre. Favre got the the, uh, the Vikings to the NFC Championship game.
1: That constitutes working out?
2: Carson Palmer. Mm.
0: Palmer worked out? Yeah, that's a good one. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner was, was decent yeah. in, in Arizona. Was good in Arizona, I mean.
1: If you're ever bored, read about the start of his career. Very unconventional. Uh, yes, his path to that. the NFL. And his wife's hair is also unconventional. Also, unconventional. <laughs> also worth a Google. From the 601, what does he have left to prove? He's already the GOAT and one year removed from a Super Bowl. Is he trying to widen the gap from upcoming greats like Mahomes? Maybe he knows Mahomes is on the long game. That could overtake him. He's trying to prevent that. Uh, yeah, just, he's got just a chip a on his shoulder.
0: Yeah, he, he just wants to play. He feels like he still can play. He's still healthy. Play. you know, Play as long as you can. You feel good.
1: Speaking of quarterbacks, we get a text here from the 662. Good jumping off point. Mississippi State, I made a mistake yesterday in something that I said. I said the transfer market, there's not really a guy out there, graduate transfer quarterback, that's attractive now that – Derek King is off to Miami, that there was nobody out there that really jumps off the page at you as a valuable graduate transfer quarterback. That was a that was wrong. That was just dead wrong yesterday. I gotta own it. There's a guy out there that is visiting Mississippi State this weekend who's done it at a high level, and his name is KJ Costello. Hey Dad, what do we need to know about this upcoming visit?
0: Uh it, it the 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 tea leaves are reading good uh, for the maroon and white on this one. You're seeing I saw uh, Steve Wiltfong from 24/7 Sports wrote an article. He put in a crystal ball that K, KJ Costello will indeed uh, be uh, a Mississippi State Bulldog when this is all said and done. He's visiting this weekend. The Bulldogs also have scheduled to visit next weekend. Clemson graduate transfer Chase Bryce. But the impression is that if Costello goes ahead and pulls the trigger. That, that will not that visit will not be necessary. Uh, it's leaning towards that way, and a, a plus for MSU in town this weekend. Ap- apparently Gardner Minshew, he'll be on campus. No way. Uh, so my guess is, and it, it's an interesting situation. I believe the NCAA rules say you can't have like former player like State couldn't just have a setup where uh, KJ Castillo walks in and, and there's Dak, right? That, that's that's yeah. not allowed by NCAA rules. But Gardner Minshew didn't go to Mississippi State. <laughs> So, I assume that's a workaround there. So, something else is sort of interesting. I thought you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, obviously, with with Leach here now, he's offering a, a little bit higher standard of quarterback and a different kind of quarterback than states used to. A lot of pro style guys, right? Got an offer out yesterday to a kid named Garrett Nussmeyer. Now, that last name might be familiar to mm-hmm. you if you follow football. His dad is Doug Nussmeyer, former offensive coordinator at Alabama, at Florida, at Michigan. And he is currently, do you know what he does now, right? The second? Not a clue. He is the quarterback's coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh,
1: wow. That's probably something so, I should know.
0: So something to keep an eye on there. Uh, I would imagine that that kid uh, get, can at least speak to Dak Prescott and get some ideas of, of what life is like in Starkville. State's offered, I think, four in the 2021 and 2022 classes, four four-star quarterbacks from out, way outside the MSU recruiting footprint. A couple kids in Texas, a kid from California, but these are the kids that, you know, Leach was already on when he was at Washington State. And, uh, you know, if you're a quarterback and the thought process is I could throw for 5,000 yards every year I'm the starter, that's that's going to be attractive. But K.J. Costello, big numbers at Stanford, you know, completed 63% of his passes for his career, 49 touchdowns to 18 picks, over 6,000 yards passing, uh, is leaving Stanford because, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, if, if I'm correct, and I don't know that I'm 100% correct, but what I think I read was, That he's a graduate transfer, obviously. He did not get into graduate school at Stanford. So their loss will be somebody else's gain. And it looks like it's going to be Mississippi State's gain.
1: Yeah, three year starter, uh, started full time as a sophomore, completed just under 59% of his passes uh, for, oh, played in 11 games, wasn't a full time starter. I spoke incorrectly there. Uh, 1,500 four, yards, 14 touchdowns, yeah. four picks. His junior year was the money year. 3,500 yards passing on 65% completions, 29 touchdowns, 11 picks, and got hurt a year ago. And that entire Stanford team got hurt a year ago. I believe, if I remember correctly, they had seven offensive linemen at one point injured for the year at Stanford last year. So just a, a brutal situation he's on the market big kid can throw the football um with all due respect to Garrett Trader who i think has a really high ceiling i mean he looks the part the experience it's not like Tommy Stevens i was telling Hayda at the break and he agreed right. um tommy stevens this is a,
0: was promised was a proven starter
1: right stevens yeah. was he's big kid he's got tools never got to show them off kj costello yeah. has started yeah in division and 1 college football and been successful and played at well
0: it. yeah, yeah. And, and then the other thing to remember with, with Schrader, it, he does have that redshirt you're available to him. So I don't know what's going to happen with Schrader. It's sort of an interesting thing. And I think if for some reason Costello ends up not at state and they were to get a guy like Chase Bryce, Chase Bryce has two years of eligibility remaining. At that point, it really would feel like uh, Schrader might be willing to you know, move on. I know Keaton will probably move on at that point. Uh, the other thing I'm, I'm, I'm interested to find out, and I think this will be the case, you know, when when Stevens came in, obviously it was after the spring, but we went through the whole summer of well, there'll be a quarterback competition. I think if KJ Costello comes in, Mike Leach is going to make it pretty clear from day one that that's his job. Uh, there won't be any kind of competition. So, how that will affect the QB room, I don't know. But right now, you know, I feel like on Monday we're going to be talking about KJ Costello making a commitment to Mississippi State, and that would be
1: a big deal. I mean. We talked about personnel lacking a little bit uh, to run that offense effectively while getting a veteran quarterback that can throw the football around, and you know he can, that uh, would be a huge step in the right direction. Had a funny uh, text here from the 214. Wonder how Tathan Martell took the at King news.
0: I don't know about him. I know Jaron Williams has already entered the portal.
1: Richard says, better start talking about getting some folks that can catch the ball.
0: I Uh, think that's the number one target on the recruiting trail right now for them.
1: More coming up at Sports Talk Mississippi. Back in on Sports Talk Mississippi. reminder, all guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team couple of texts here on this Mississippi State quarterback situation Jason says wait so now Tommy Stevens was an experiment that is not what we were sold by the salesman tried to tell them borky they didn't want to listen I
0: I don't Did somebody call him an experiment he wasn't an experiment he was a, a grad transfer he had familiarity with Moorhead's offense it made sense to do it on paper he was a more accurate passer than Keeton Thompson. It just didn't work out because he couldn't stay healthy. Simple as that. When he was healthy, he looked good.
1: The difference, again, the difference between Stevens and Costello is Costello has done it for multiple seasons at the Power 5 level. Tommy Stevens, as Haydad mentioned, on paper made all the sense in the world. He's a big kid, could throw the football, athletic, played a little wide receiver, I think, or was it tight end? Either way, at Penn State, He just did not have any experience. And if I remember correctly, the conversation on this show back then was if he acclimates at Mississippi State, if he adjusts to the SEC, he's got the tools to be a really good quarterback. Even in hindsight, that's still true. He's got tools. He showed you he's got them. Just poor kid could not stay healthy.
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: And Jeremy in Hamilton is asking if – Keeton Thompson has any shot at starting or at least seeing some playing time under Leach.
0: I would be surprised to say A quarterback, you know, he's just not an accurate enough passer. And, and that this system thrives on having an accurate quarterback. Especially
1: if you're going to throw it 60 times. You can't be going 28 of 60 and win football games in the SEC. Right. How are, are – are people still on cloud nine over there?
0: Um, I don't know if that's the case or not. Uh, I feel like everybody's excited, but there's a lot of questions. You know, they, they they this is a huge shift in philosophy. Mississippi State. My entire life has been a team based on the running game. I mean, even when Dak was here, they were still a very physical football team. So the idea that every major passing record—I mean, think about that first game, right, against New Mexico. Am I out of my mind to think that the, the the record for completions and attempts is probably definitely going to fall? Yardage, I, I, I don't have the number right. It's, it's over 500, but it's going to be close in that first game. And that's the first game of, of a lot. I mean, <laughs> State is going to throw for 4,000 yards next year. There's no doubt in my mind that as a – I don't know if it will be just one quarterback or what, but as a team they're going to throw for 4,000 yards next year. Which is, you know, it's silly to think about. I just I have trouble wrapping my head around it, and I think a lot of MSU fans are sort of right there with me. Was talking. This is a this
2: is a risk, right? Like people always associate risk with a bad thing, but like it is like the the big thing here is can you throw it sixty times a game in the SEC and win, right? And it's kind of the same uh, thing on the defensive side of the ball, right? Like it's three three five. Generally, you have to run it to be successful and stop the run. Like people always think risk and think it means like bad or desperate. It doesn't really mean that at all. But like risk can be good. Like most successful people in the world take risk. But like this seems like a pretty yeah. big one.
0: Gamble might be the better word. Risk, sounds yeah, like probably a little, so. Gamble might be the word. But yeah, definitely the the, the offensive side. Of it, I think defensively they'll be fine. They have talent there. They've recruited well. You know, they're, they're going to be okay there. But offensively, yeah, you're you're going gonna to try something. You know, they did it at Kentucky. And uh, in, in the in the mid 90s there, but not not to the extent that Leach does it now. It, it's it's different. So yeah, this is a complete paradigm shift for Mississippi State. But what they've done is they put themselves in a position where they're doing some things offensively and defensively that nobody else is doing. So you know what we always taught you say about Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech was you know it's a pain to prepare for, right? Nobody else does it, so you have everything you do in practice for one week is different for the rest of the year. It's going to be that way for State, and that that can be a pain for some teams and it might allow them to slip up and get some wins that you're not expecting. And if they can get K.J. Costello, this th- I, I, I'm on I'm 24-7, and this this was brought up. And just answer this. If I say right now State gets K.J. Costello and Kylan Hill is in the backfield with him, who's better at 1-2? Who's who's a better quarterback-tailback combination in the SEC than those two guys? Costello is a proven Power 5 quarterback, and Kylan Hill is the second-leading rusher returning in the SEC. You know, I mean, I like Rice Plum. If if John Rice Corral was a thing, and I could combine <laughs> those two into one player with Jerian Ealy, maybe then. Uh, but, you know, Matt Jones and Najee Harris, maybe. Nixon, Whitlow, they're good. You know, Newman and uh, I, I assume it's going to be Zamir White over at Georgia, fine. But, I mean, State's going to have a really good one-two punch there at quarterback and, and, and running back. And, you know, if you've got a good quarterback, in a lot of cases, you're sort of halfway there as far as winning football games goes. So that's it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Costello this weekend.
1: It's a really good question. want to hear your answer. 601-879-4395. Text us. Returning, for what we know, is that the best combination of quarterback and running back in the SEC? That's a really good question. Because that's – we talked about it yesterday some. That's the question going into the 2020 season for the SEC is quarterback play. There's not a whole lot of proven guys at all in the SEC. So is that the best combination? Very well could be. I've also got a recruiting story for you. I can't wait to tell you. That's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour at Sports Talk Mississippi. Stick around. 5 o'clock hour with you at Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borkey, Brian heydad, Brian Scott Rippy. It is great to be with you. Kind of a gloomy day outside, but either way, always feels good to be on the air with you. Thank you for making our show a part of your day. Hey that posed the question earlier, talking about combination of quarterback and running back at Mississippi State. If they land K.J. Costello, um, probably not a more experienced pair, if nothing else, uh, but definitely uh, being conservative, one of the better ones in the SEC. So where does everybody else stand? I think this is a really good conversation. When you look at everybody else in the SEC, guys, is there a combination of the two that you think stands out among the rest that currently exist in the SEC? Is there any combination of quarterback and running back and you think, you know what, those two, that's the best in the league right there, no doubt.
0: I would i would think that... I feel like Matt Jones is underrated. I think he's a good quarterback. and People are going to point to the talent around him, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, it, you have to be good to get the ball to those guys. You know, it, you and I just couldn't show up at Alabama and win the Heisman Trophy. So Mac Jones is underrated, and Najee Harris is is very very good. Bo Nix and Boobie Whitlow is a good combination. I, I, Rip, you'll have to sort of give me some idea of who who you think is going to be the quarterback next year at Ole Miss. But Ely is a very good back as well. And you know, if they go with Plumlee and they try to you know run the ball more, they can be very effective. They go with Corral. I think he's got enough arm talent to be effective. So they're going to be good. But the word you used experience, might be the right one. There's certainly not going to be anybody with more carries and more attempts in the SEC West for sure than, than either one of those two guys. And, and you know, Hill, you know, I I got I took some heat the other day for my, my stance on Kylan Hill. But I, I do think he's an outstanding running back. And uh, K.J. Costello is a very experienced quarterback who's put up big numbers before. And, uh, you know, it if, I, I'm going to give Mike Leach a little bit of you know respect here. If, he, if this is the guy he's bringing in to run this offense, I have to assume he thinks this is a guy who can run my offense. Leach doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who – I think if he felt like Will Rogers was the best choice for him, Will Rogers would start as a true freshman. So if Costello's coming in, it means that Leach has got some uh, some belief in him. You got any thoughts here, Rippy?
2: I mean, it's just such a subjective argument and there's so much unknown at quarterback, I feel like it's next to impossible to actually kind of definitively put one, but I do think both State and Ole Miss have a shot to put up one of the more formidable ones given the quarterback uncertainty in the SEC next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jerry and Ely has... He showed you a few times last year in an offense that... I mean, all they did was run the football and teams could key on it and he still had success. He very well could be... Uh, I mean, in that group with Hill and and, and Harris and Whitlow next year uh, among the SEC's elite running backs. I mean, he's that talented. I wonder what his usage rate is going to be. And same thing with Kylan Hill to a degree because of that offense, but he seems to be – I mean, he's the back. and I assume Ely's going to be as well, but, I mean, Rippy, as we've talked about, it's a young one. But that running back group at Ole Miss may be the most – raw, talented one the school's ever had as a group.
2: Yeah, I mean, sure, a lot of unproven guys and some somewhat proven through their first year, but definitely has a chance. It'll be interesting to see how they're used.
1: Michael in Ocean Springs says, pump the brakes. Sounds like state fans from two years ago talking about a 10-win season. I, it, Michael, thank you for listening down on the coast. Uh, glad you are with us. I don't think anybody will have that expectation for Mississippi State. I mean, if we're being honest, correct me if I'm wrong, hey Dad. If they get to a bowl game, everybody would be happy. Is that fair, or is that not accurate?
0: I think I think they'd like to see them get to the seven-win mark. You know, have an actual win. Win more than they lose. Yeah, the schedule sort of plays itself into that. I mean, your East games are are at Kentucky. Who is you know they're getting better and they're a good team. But you feel like at worst that's going to be a toss-up. Then you get Missouri at home. All four of your non-conference games feel pretty winnable. Uh, you know, it's, the, the toughest one, obviously, is at NC State, but NC State was terrible a season ago. Um, and then, you know, you get Arkansas. I mean, if you can win, that, that's seven wins there before you even talk about games like Ole Miss, who state, you know, at, at worst right now, that's a coin flip for Mississippi State. I would probably say State would be favored in that game right this very second, especially if they get Costello. Um, maybe, I mean, not not by much, maybe one or two points, but it's it's a toss-up game. And, you know, even Auburn, I know people are like, "Oh, you lost by you know however many points this year." Well, and, you know, in seventeen state went down to Auburn and got killed, and then the next year they came back and beat them in Starkville. Um, Auburn loses a ton on defense; they lose four starters off the offensive line, and you know, Bo Nix showed you some flashes this year, but I don't think by any stretch of the imagination he's a Tim Tebow type player or anything like that. So, and I, and as we have said many times on this show, at least I have said that Auburn, you know, under Gus Malzahn, they're going to lose. Four, probably four games next year. Mississippi State could easily be one of them. I don't think State's going to beat Auburn right now. I wouldn't predict that. They probably wouldn't be favored. But it's a winnable game. And if you get a veteran quarterback, you know, it, 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 it increases those chances. But I don't think this is going to be a 10- or 11-win team by any stretch of the imagination. I think they can be a 7- or 8-win team if they, if things go the right way for them. And And with Mike Leach, you know, you have that opportunity.
1: Paul in Greenville says, just saying the SEC media days are going to be great for the state of Mississippi. It's funny you mention that. I was talking yesterday to somebody that does media in my home state of South Carolina and covers Clemson, covers South Carolina as well, but covers Clemson, perpetual college football powerhouse, just went to the national championship again. And he honestly said to me, I would rather be working media in Mississippi right now than here. He covers a a team that's been in the playoffs for the last five years. Six years, right? Six consecutive years? One, two of them? Or is it five? Either way, Clemson going to the playoff every year. And he said he would have more fun covering Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin than he would covering a perpetual playoff contender. Because the the stories are just so much – the shift in focus and attention – and care that has gone on here by just making two competent hires. It's unbelievable, and, and you're right. Media days, a lot of people, especially around here, it's bizarre. You have some local media folks that like talk negatively about SEC media days. It's July. You get to hang out in a cool city and interview football coaches and players all day and go drink beer with some of your buddies at night. Why is that something you hate? I'll never understand. The thing, the
0: worst thing ever.
1: It I does. And they'll tell you what is said and done at Media Days doesn't matter. And maybe it doesn't. But when we go to Atlanta this summer, and the eyes of the college football world, at least in the Southeast, are focused on Atlanta because the people in this region of the country crave football. They live it. Maybe these guys in the media just don't understand, but people live football around here. It's all they care about. And so for one week... In the summer, everybody's talking SEC football. And aside from Ed Orgeron, who just won a national championship and he's a draw himself because the accent and whatnot, there will be no more interest than you get from Ole Miss and Mississippi State in Atlanta this summer. Everybody in college football will be looking forward to hearing and seeing from Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, I think, on the same level in that capacity as Ed Orgeron. Those are your stories this year. It has been a long time since you have had positive, those are your stories at SEC Media Days. You remember before Matt Luke was hired, Hugh Freeze's last run at Media Days was a few days before the bomb got dropped on him. And it was a weird vibe, and it was very negative. And, I mean, he filibustered on the stage. And then the year prior, if I remember correctly, was when the Simmons thing happened. So negative yeah. story about Mississippi State. So it went from negative story to negative story, to nobody cares at all for two years. And now, everybody is going to care. What a dramatic shift. And again, it's media days. It doesn't matter if they don't win, but the college football world will be talking about you for an entire week. And three months ago, that would have been a pipe dream at best.
0: No, you're right. And and it's... It's going to be enjoyable to get over there, like you said this summer. I'm, I'm looking. I have I am been looking forward to it. You know, with Kiffin, it was. It was interesting, but obviously, you know, that's that's less on me. But now that now that Leach is there, I mean, we're going to have great content. We're going to have fun <laughs> talking about this. The, the The football season should be a fun one here in the state of Mississippi, which it was not going to be when you know the Egg Bowl ended. Looking ahead to 2020 with Luke and Moorhead. It was not going to be a fun offseason. It was not going to be exciting to talk about.
1: Get a text here from the 601. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah, it feels good right now. Yeah. Feels so good. I mean, make college football in Mississippi great again. You're welcome, JT. That was for you. Sports Talk, Mississippi. I teased this recruiting story. I promise. I will start with it when we come back. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. You can text us, 601-879-4395 on the C Spire text line. And don't forget, all guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. We've got a listener who's on the ground at the Senior Bowl, and yesterday said... uh, Benito Jones and Josiah Cotney looked great in practice. That's from RB. And I saw a scout say the same thing today, that both Ole Miss' interior linemen are doing themselves a lot of favors this week at Senior Bowl practice. On a semi-related note, apparently Shea Patterson's doing the exact opposite.
0: Smallest uh, hands of any QB. I smallest
1: hands now. of any QB. And uh, a couple of guys I've seen today say that um, shouldn't have gotten the invite. It's wow. that ugly. But uh, yeah. I also
0: know that uh, Mississippi State offensive tackle Tyree Phillips had a good day yesterday. Went one on one in a couple of drills with uh, South Carolina's Javon Kinlaw, who's been one of the high risers of, of, that, uh, of that of that that class, and uh, really did a good job. They said so.
1: And RB also says that Jalen Hurts uh, looked really good at practice. Good for Jalen. And uh, the helmet crisis is over, by the way. Uh, He is just wearing an Oklahoma helmet. I know there was some blowback from our favorite USA Today columnist about him wearing a helmet that was split down the middle. Alabama one side, Oklahoma on the other. Crisis averted. He's wearing just an Oklahoma helmet in the Senior Bowl. But enough about that. The story I teased, your bizarre recruiting story of the year. Every year we have something like this that happens. Recruiting always gets weird, especially in the SEC. But this one takes the cake this year. A defensive end out of Chattanooga signed with Auburn on December 19th. But he didn't tell anybody about it. He was actively being recruited by other schools until it was discovered this week that he signed with Auburn on December 19th. He even, after it got exposed, still denied that he signed. From Austin Price of Tennessee Rivals, while maintaining that he didn't sign early because he was in Florida for basketball, Fallquest Tennessee rivals, learned that Jay Hardy did sign with Auburn on December 19th. Even though he told Auburn's rival site that he was shutting down his recruitment, he actually signed. Tennessee was actively recruiting this kid still, going to his basketball games, and Tennessee would not have been the only one still recruiting this kid, and he lied openly on Twitter, denied reports that he had signed with Auburn, said he hadn't signed anywhere. Turns out He actually did. A few things on this. Actively recruiting a player that has signed somewhere else is an NCAA violation. However, Tennessee could have avoided this by looking at what is called a compliance portal. But nobody does that because once a kid signs, he has to disclose to every school that is recruiting him that he has signed somewhere else. Obviously, this kid did not do that because Tennessee was still actively recruiting him. So Tennessee committed, at least Tennessee, committed NCAA violations because this kid lied about signing with Auburn during the early period in December.
0: That's a good one. I mean, like you said, we get one every year. This is the one.
2: That's that's, that's a solid one. Sounds like he may have wanted some extra benefits. No,
0: that doesn't happen. That might, might be the case.
2: I don't know for sure. Rippy. What are you doing, man? I guess Auburn doesn't have to. <laughs>
1: uh, but, yeah, I saw um, – so, Sports Illustrated does this Maven thing now. Yeah. And USA Today's had something similar for a while. Believe it or not, Lonzo Ball has his own. Uh, but some colleges have one, too. Auburn uh, has – I think they call it the Auburn Wire. Anyway, uh, I read there earlier a uh, – it was more of a commentary that they called a news report, but it was more, it read more like a column. Either way, uh, blamed Tennessee fully for doing this. It was all Tennessee's fault that they didn't look at, oh gosh, what did I call it? The uh, compliance portal, uh, because nobody does that, again, because players have to disclose it. Completely blaming Tennessee for this entire thing, even though the player publicly lied multiple times about not signing. Glad journalism is still holding strong over on the Plains.
0: One thing, just to bring this home a little bit, I know one thing I've been seeing on some social media and some message boards is uh, talking about with Terrell Buckley going to Ole Miss, would Ole Miss try to get Emmanuel Forbes, who is, of course, signed with Mississippi State? And it's, it's what you just hit on right there. He is signed with Mississippi State. Any contact by Ole Miss with him would be an NCAA violation. So, I, I, like I said, I've been seeing that on some different message boards and stuff. Might be a good time to address that. That if that happens, it's going to raise a whole lot of questions uh, for for Ole Miss as far as you know. How did that come into come into being? They they can have no contact with him.
1: So he would have to ask out of his letter of intent and be granted out of that. L O Y before right. contacting him. He could would. Happen.
0: If if they would if he they, they wanted that, if they wanted that to happen, or if, if Forbes wanted that to happen, state would give him a release. If that happened, he immediately committed to Ole Miss. There's going to be questions asked.
1: I guess I'm not surprised. Uh, but the lack of turnover for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State's recruiting classes. I mean, Ole Miss mm-hmm. processed a couple of kids out, basically kind of didn't like the previous staff evaluations. But right. Mississippi State hasn't had a single player ask out of his LOI.
0: No, the only one that they, they were concerned about was Benjamin Key. Uh, I believe that's just still an ongoing process. They hope to get him in, but they, that, that's not settled yet. But everybody else apparently is very solid and will be here for the fall.
2: I wonder if that has anything to do with how easy it is to transfer now. I'm not saying a bunch of them are going – To transfer, but like if I were a kid and I had a coaching change, I might just stick it out for a year and see what happens. And then if you don't, go elsewhere. Very fair uh, question to ask, I think. Not saying that's happening there, but like that would be my attitude instead of just picking up shop and going somewhere else in January, particularly if you plan to enroll like, you know, within a week or two. Right. And the classes started at Ole Miss yet? They've started here at State. They started, I believe, like, I think like literally Tuesday this week. Okay,
1: so yeah, state was a week ahead. Those some those winter breaks are still absurd. I mean, I know why they do it, so they can throw on that winter session and make the extra three grand off of us. But um, six weeks off for a winter break in
0: your pocket? (laughs) Ain't (laughs) getting money out of me.
1: Uh, No, I just remember the day um, when I stupidly um, had more expensive classes because of that. Anyway. Uh, six weeks off was miserable. I spent one winter at home, and three weeks in, I wanted to die. <laughs> Especially when, you know, you go from a place of freedom, air quotes, freedom, and going back home to rules and whatnot. I still had a curfew, even though I was in college. Thanks, Dad. Um, yeah, didn't like that. Six weeks is way too long, but they have both started classes. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian at Brian Scott Rippey with you. Running list of coaches that were hired this offseason. I think uh, Hawaii, who by the way was part of the Elijah Moore fake dog pee butterfly effect. Hawaii lost their coach because Washington State lost their coach to Mississippi State who fired Joe Moorhead after bull practices that were thanks to Elijah Moore's fake dog pee celebration. All that's over so the coaching carousel is seemingly done in college football right now, looking at some of these hires, we'll skip Ole Miss and Mississippi State right now. What do you think about, let's start with SEC level, Missouri, Eli Drinkwoods. If you had to grade that hire, what
0: would you give it? I like the hire. I don't like it at $4 million, though.
1: Seems like they were betting against themselves, no?
0: Yeah, yeah, who are you bidding against? Yeah, exactly. Rippy? Solid Solid B yeah b B is right it would have been an a if they were paying him
1: 2.75 can you can you pay a coach under three million now
0: yeah a guy like that who's got one year of head coaching experience yes you could pay him that
1: Arkansas I think I know the answer from both of you but Sam Pittman
2: C minus yeah, I was going to say D. You I guys
1: mean, are being friendly. I think it's a big fat F. I mean, it very well could work out. and It, it very well could. He's made good getting hires. Getting
0: Bryles and Odom are, are this, what's saving him. If they had gone this, we're going to follow the LSU model of a CEO kind of coach, and they hadn't gotten two guys who I would consider good coordinators, it would be a lot lower grade.
1: I don't know if it's eye-opening or what. I don't know what you'd call it. But Arkansas was at least given some perspective. Because the coaching search, you got a head start on everybody. Everybody. And as Rippey's pointed out a few times, maybe that's a bad thing because you don't have a sense of urgency, but you got a head start on everybody. You have Walmart money and you have Tyson money and all this money around your program in beautiful facilities. The stadium and the last couple of upgrades look amazing. And still, your search was a Disaster. And you went after the same coach that Ole Miss was after. Everything was equal except for the fact that you could pay more money than they could. And you still lost a battle to Ole Miss. I don't know if it's humbling or embarrassing, but having to do that search and get turned down by Lane Kiffin, and even though people up there will spin it and tell you that they didn't really offer him and they pulled out at the end, that's garbage. They absolutely wanted him. They just couldn't get him. And they end up, with a journeyman offensive line coach who has a weird catchphrase doesn't make any sense. The, the hire's an F, or maybe it's not because Arkansas is not a program that we think that it is or that it once was. Because the, the process was embarrassing. They got turned down a bunch. Ole Miss beat them for a coach. It's not your dad's Arkansas anymore. Sports Talk Mississippi. 601-879-4395. If you want to be a part of the show, you can text us on the C Spire text line. So, Missouri got pretty good grades from these two. Arkansas, Rippy said C-minus. Is that what you said? On yeah. Arkansas? And hey, I gave it a D. I gave it a big fat F. I think it's terrible and more indicative of the state of that program, more so than an indictment on Sam Pittman, really. But... This Um, is no
0: why nobody wants to take Professor Borky's class. Yeah, because I can only imagine the the review you'd get from Rippy. My (laughs) God,
1: Um, I think a wake up call though for Arkansas. At least it should be, Uh, or maybe they're just going to try to feel better about it. We'll see. What about Baylor? Dave Aranda, Ole Miss's opening opponent next year. How would you grade that hire?
0: Just at first glance, it it feels like a, a really solid hire. I'll, I'll give it a B plus um you know he's he's been at such good programs he should understand the you know how to how to win the question I always have with defensive coaches especially in the big 12 right Big 12 is not where I think of championship defense um are you gonna get a good offensive coordinator and sort of get out of his way I think he Aranda had firsthand experience of what happens when you do that last season at LSU so I think he's smart enough to do that uh, I like the higher i say B plus.
2: Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see how a defensive coach works in the Big 12. Defensive-minded head coach, that is.
1: Um, real quick, just a complete diversion just for a second. Mike Farrell, the uh, the head of recruiting for Rivals, um, just earlier today, Rippy, tweeted that uh, Zach Evans is now down to Ole Miss and Tennessee,
0: so no more Georgia and no more LSU. Uh, that so- can't be correct. I saw that crazy guy telling me that letter of intent was in the bag. <laughs>
1: Um. So, Ole Miss in Tennessee for this guy. His recruitment is interesting, to say the least.
2: Yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see how that finishes out. But thoughts and prayers to that dude on Twitter.
1: I just hope for his mental health that that is a that we'll is a parody. Hate. It'll be okay, and nothing else. Okay. So Baylor. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. Defensive minded coach in the Big Twelve. Interesting. And to think he almost took the UNLV job.
0: Talk about that would have been a horrible mistake.
1: Florida State, Mike Norville, kind of flying under the radar. I mean, Florida State went and hired a guy that was taking Memphis to access bowls, uh, but not really getting talked about all that much in the college football world. Part of that is because of the moves that have been made right here, but seems like they did a really good job there, doesn't it?
0: I mean, Norvell was sort of the guy everybody wanted, right? He was the the top dog in this cycle. He was the Tom Herman or the uh I don't know. There's always a group of five guy that everybody has circled, you know. I guess Scott Satterfield might have been that guy. Uh so for me, you know, they got the guy that just about everybody else who hired a coach in this cycle would have liked to have had. Arkansas would have liked to have had him. Ole Miss would have liked to have had him. I think Mississippi State would have liked to have had him had he been available. Um
2: so I'm gonna give them an A.
0: All trippy,
2: I tend to agree. I maybe B. plus. What's
1: the negative? Is it recruiting?
2: Yeah, I think to some degree, but I don't know. I mean, all of it's so fresh, it's so hard to tell. I mean, like, if, if, if to me, you fall in the B to A range if you've hired a competent, reputable, reputable guy, and then you have Arkansas. Like that What's to me that? it's that simple. Doing? I think you just don't know. Well it, it's 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 like the twenty seventeen thing with Ole Miss and State. If you were grading it at the time when they both lost head coaches, granted very different circumstances, you probably would have been B plus to A minus with State and you would have been C to C minus with Ole Miss. As long as you make a hire that makes sense, whether it works out or not, just kind of remains to be seen with everything. Like that's right. kind of how I look at these things. Yeah. I sure there's fit and stuff too, but to me that's kinda of secondary.
1: What about fit with the the two guys here? So I saved them for last. Wait, one more. Rutgers, Greg Schiano, bringing him back. What what do you
0: think there?
2: I mean, how could that not be an A for Rutgers? Isn't the last guy that won? He's A. the last guy that won. I mean,
0: yeah, that, that guy is that won. absolutely the best hire they could have made, I think.
1: Remember what when we he... were talking about them, air quotes, stealing Moorhead from Mississippi State? Good times.
0: It's funny how this world works, huh?
1: everything comes full circle one way or another. But we'll start. Fit is the word that I like. So, Mike Leach, Mississippi State. We talked about it a bunch, but this is what we're doing. The content, uh, the idea came from a sporting news article I saw earlier just wrapping up the coaching carousel season. Um, Mike Leach, Mississippi State. Grade the hire.
0: I think from the, the list of candidates that State was pulling from, how could it, it, he was the best possible choice? Um, but you say fit, and man, it, like I like we talked about earlier in the show, you are changing everything that you have ever associated with Mississippi State. The days of you know Michael Davis and Kevin Bowie and J.J. Johnson and Desenzo Miller—they're gone now. And you know, long live throwing the ball fifty to sixty times a game. Um, State needed something proven after Joe Moorhead. They couldn't afford to take another experiment, another. Uh, you know, guy, you know, the hot coordinator. They needed a winner and they got one. I, I can't help but give them an A. Maybe I'm a
2: homer, but that's where I'm going. Rippy? B, I would have given Napier probably an A minus, but, and I think Leach would have been a B plus, but the fact that this all unfolded in January at such an odd time kind of handicapped you from the start. So B to B plus?
1: And in terms of fit, too, it, it, the questions about fit are funny because I think if you look at Oxford, the fit is perfect. Now, whether or not it'll work out, we'll see. The, To me, when you look at the two of them, and we will always compare them, that's just the reality, I think Mike Leach's floor is higher. But with the way Kiffin potentially could recruit, his ceiling might be higher. Is that
0: fair? Maybe. I mean... We're, we're we're comparing what he how he recruited at USC and Tennessee to how he's going to recruit at Ole Miss. And, you know, I don't mean to different step places. on anybody's toes. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're different places. And the last time Ole Miss started pulling in top five classes, all sorts of strange things started happening up there, evidently. So, you know, do I just think that Ole Miss is going to start recruiting at a super elite level because Lane Kiffin is the head coach? I don't know that I, I buy into that as much. But that said, if you told me to grade the higher, I'm going to give Ole Miss an A, two for two reasons. One, I think Kiffin is a really good coach. But, but two, Ole Miss needed a guy like Lane Kiffin, a guy that Ole Miss fans could rally around. I think state fans would have rallied around Billy Napier or just whoever. But Ole Miss fans really needed a, a guy that – how am I trying to put this? He, he gave them something to smile about. Ole Miss fans didn't have a lot to smile about this year. They just didn't. And – you know that Kiffin is going to be a guy that keeps a national focus on your team. The same way Leach is. These two coaches are very, very similar in, in what they're going to bring their universities. What a
2: homer. Who, me? I'm
0: going, yeah, a, you're an old Miss not, Homer. Unbelievable.
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm agreeing with Hey Dad wholeheartedly on this just from the sense that staff aside, recruiting aside, you look at the. Season ticket sales, who is showing up to games, the overall just temperature and interest level of the program. Like, to me, that's why this was made. And so for that, I'll give them an A. And considering other factors, I might dock it to a B, B plus. but, like, just from a sheer interest standpoint... It was getting uh, pretty grim around there in that program. And so just injecting energy into it, because I, I don't think State needed that as badly. Maybe if they'd gone through another year of Moorhead, it would have gotten to that point. I still don't think it would have ever gotten to a point as it it was as bad as it was getting it on Miss. But uh, I guess I just have to give it uh, A minus, I guess, from that standpoint, uh, just because they, they needed a shot in the arm in the worst way. I'm not sure how they would have, like, if, if they had gone into 2020 with Luke, 2021, I. Probably couldn't even begin to try to paint what it looked like. Ugh.
0: Hey, think about think about how different we're, our off season is, Rippy, and with the stories we're trying to tell and what <laughs> we're trying to you know get across to people. And then think about the the poor souls in the two offices trying to sell season tickets for Joe Moorhead and Matt Luke. I mean, you talk about a job I would not want to do. It's trying to call people up and get money and tell them, get excited for Moorhead twenty twenty or Luke twenty twenty. It was an impossible task, and now you are going to have people, you know, begging to give you their money because they want to get in on the first the first season of these two guys. I talked about uh, state's first game against New Mexico with Joe Moorhead as the head coach. We were looking at think about that game eleven a.m. first weekend of September. What's the attendance of that game with Joe Moorhead? Twenty five thousand, maybe thirty. Now it's going to be close to a packed house because everybody's going to want to see State fling the ball around
2: the yard 45, 50 times. You don't think it'll be sold out? I would have. I would have said it'll probably yeah, be full. I bet they
1: sell it out. It,
2: it, they
0: might, but I mean, again, at 11 a.m. On, yeah. on a. I think it'll be in a. But of course, now with Mike Leach, you have the opportunity that that might get a better time slot because people want to see it. Or if
1: somehow, some way, ESPN, ABC, Disney buy out CBS, the time slots will be very, very That's different.
0: True. That's true too. So hopefully,
1: that happens because that would be just awesome for. Everybody involved, especially you two guys, not having to cover 11 any games anymore, even though that's Rippy's thing.
0: Yeah. Favorites.
1: It's Sports Talk Mississippi.